This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Welcome into episode 115 of Half Measures, and joining me as always is my friend and co-host Dan Whiting. And whilst I may be thinking it's over because I have the high ground, I should not underestimate my co-host's power. Dan, it's time to execute Order 66. Kilda Paul, you've come in like you came in real fast and real heavy, like almost like you know in the in the Clone Wars animated series they have the uh, narrator at the start of each episode. It, it kind of had that type of vibe to me. I could almost have gone with with that sort of approach. Actually, it's almost worth. Should we start again and I'll come in full full Clone Wars narration and be like, you know, what's his name? Tom. I've already forgotten his name. Yeah, Tom Kane. Tom Kane. Tom Kane. Indeed. No, let's carry on. That's not the half measures way. That's far too orderly. It's not. It is. So um, here we are, three weeks in a row. Um, regular listeners must be wondering what's going on. But you know, we're gonna, we're going, we are gonna push ahead with one more Star Wars movie at this point. It's Revenge of the Sith, two thousand five, to carry on from where we've uh, left off uh, in the last episode. And I'm really excited to come into this one, Dan. I'm excited too. I'm. I wonder whether, for the sake of our listeners, we should kind of just let them in a little bit about why we're doing these episodes. Oh well, the the peek behind the curtain. I'll allow you, Dan. Well, it's this is actually all my fault that we're doing these Star Wars episodes. Though we are having a fantastic time, I have very selfishly decided to um, get married, and I am in the middle of a wedding and a honeymoon while you're listening to these episodes. And we wanted to make sure we maintain the every week bringing you some fresh content. So having these Star Wars movies lined up has really helped us. And we've got one more next week, and then we'll be back to our regular schedule program for a while. But So so don't despair if, if you're missing out our normal reviews. We will be back. But hopefully you're enjoying these, these Star Wars movies. And I think it's kind of perfect time to be watching them. You know, we're getting ready for the Kenobi series. It's all kind of like lining up nicely. So what better time to get back into the prequels? I feel that um, as this one airs, uh, the wedding will have happened. So at this point, as listeners listen to it, you are indeed a married man. So I'll say congratulations now, Dan. Um, it's, it's, My it's wedding great. Uh, will take place on Naboo in secrecy. Um, Not on Mustafa. <laughs> it may do it may do yet oh who knows uh i don't know if we should be joking about this for it could, it could well be true i i was more thinking just oh, it always looks cold on the boo whereas most of yeah you've really got a decent climate there it's always warm it's always warm yeah. <laughs> that is true that is true the weather's always good on Mustafa. <laughs> really is so um so yeah so there we go there's the there's the peak behind the curtain and uh as well as revenge of the sith then we have we've also revisited those last four episodes of the clone wars and so um some of the some of the best star wars that you and i have ever watched and it was worth re-watching them because they do they do run concurrent to the events in revenge of the sith and they really they really weave the fabric of those two things together so well yeah, and obviously, so we've talked about these episodes in a, a real early uh, podcast 
here at Half Measures. But we thought we might do is we'll scatter in where some of those key events from those four episodes of The Clone Wars happened during Revenge of the Sith. And again, I'd, I'd highly recommend, if, even if you're not an animated Clone Wars fan, go and watch those those four episodes as well. So you're looking for Season 7, Episode 9, Episode 12. So that's four episodes. Each episode's 20, 25 minutes, but it really goes so well with Revenge of the Sith, and it just gives you a little bit more story. It really is. It's, it is the highest of quality if you... If you- give it a go and you enjoy it you may find yourself discovering a wonderful animated series so so dan nearly three years have passed now since the beginning of the clone wars the republic um with the help of the jedi take on Count dooku and the separatists and with a new threat rising the jedi council sends obi-wan and anakin to go and help the the chancellor who's been been captured by general grievous um but along the way on this journey, Anakin has some future visions of, of pain and suffering, uh, seeing his, uh, his beloved Padme um, uh, really having a terrible time. And we'll get into that as we go. Uh, he goes see Master Yoda. Um, but along the way, Darth Sidious is revealed. And we then experience the birth of Darth Vader and the hatred between these two brothers. And this... This is the synopsis for this movie. There's so much in there for us to dive into. But what I'd like to do, Dan, is take us all the way to the start. And I'm going to come off about and say, right after the opening crawl, I think of every Star Wars movie that has aired to date, this is the best start to a Star Wars movie in terms of music and in terms of an opening action scene. I think it's absolutely amazing. We've got these amazing drums just beating as the two Jedi starfighters fly along um, alongside the the cruisers. I just think it's absolutely superb. Yeah, I think, isn't that something like 76 seconds or something? I was reading a, a bit of trivia earlier that this is one of the longest uh, opening scenes after the crawl of Star Wars. Yeah. Just, and I think, again, I think you're right, like, it... It reminds me of in A New Hope when we're first introduced to, you know, the sort of the opening crawl uh, back in the, for me, back in the 80s and then the, the Star Destroyer and it just goes on and on and on and it's like, oh my God, this ship is amazing. Like, like that's a real special place for me, but this is, uh, this is something different and I think we just, we come in hot to some action and it's, I think it's well needed. It, it it's really starts off Revenge of the Sith with the, the right tone. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. And you're absolutely right. When we get to A New Hope, I'll be saying, this is the greatest start to a movie ever. But there is something about the drums and the foreboding nature of that. And because we all know what is coming, we know what this movie is going to deliver us. It really sets the theme right right from the start. And then um, one of my highlights of this movie actually happens in the next sort of, I don't know, five, ten minutes. And it's actually that whole scene that takes place when they 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 sort of crash land through the doors onto the the ship where the chance is being held and right from the start the way their ships crash and and obi-wan flips out of his ship as it's crash landing and and anakin sort of lands calmly and just sort of takes his seatbelt off and walks out really calmly it's the it's the total opposite of what you'd expect both of those two people to do and i just love that 
It's funny you say that because I remember thinking that at the same time, like it's like it's we're so used to Anakin being the daredevil and being the eccentric Jedi, and it was kind of nice to see Obi Wan doing some flips, yep. um, and as you say, Anakin being nice and cool, and obviously Artu as well. Like we get to see Artu sort of boosting out of the ship and so good, uh, taking on a few droids, and and there's a funny thing in that scene actually. Um, where they pass R2 like an actual like f- like physical comms like walkie talking it's like come on man like we've got hyperspace we've got spaceships I don't think he physically needs to hold a comms like a comms walkie talkie like there must be a better way I think I think it, it adds for so many great moments in that scene so when Obi-Wan chucks it to him he like he casually chucks it like catch this droid and of course R2 catches it because R2 can do anything and of course the it, it's then necessary for the echo of the of the voice to be overheard by the super battle droids. That's the I mean I guess that's the setup there. But you're right; it could just be something inside his system. He doesn't need to physically hear that. Um, it is it's great though because this is one of my I'm diving right into probably my highlight of this movie. I just love this whole opening scene. I love the elevator, the banter between. Anakin and Obi-Wan. This is Anakin and Obi-Wan as as true friends at their very height. So I think the best way to watch this, of course, would be off the back of all of the Clone Wars. So you, you've gone from uh, Attack of the Clones, you've come through all of the Clone Wars and you've seen them build this relationship and how we see them in this opening five, ten minutes. This is the peak of Obi-Wan and Anakin together. And of course, thank goodness, Obi-Wan's got a decent haircut and beard. Obi-Wan's looking better than ever, Paul. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to get into like man crushes, but that's like, this is top, this is top tier Obi-Wan. <laughs> it is, like, this it this is. is the best he's ever going to be. Yeah. Well, is it? Well, we, is it? We'll, Could be Kenobi. We'll, I'm jumping the gun. We'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, next month in Kenobi. We'll see. Indeed. Um, I, I think you're right. And I think, do you know something else that's really interesting to me about uh, Revenge of the Sith? I guess, because this is really where we're introduced to General Grievous as well, right? But in my, like, I guess because of Clone Wars, but even just generally in fandom, I think General Grievous is so well known and so well understood. I feel like he's been with the franchise for all three movies, even though this is our first General Grievous experience. It is weird, isn't it? It's like when you think of the Clone Wars, you think of Grievous and he's only there for, for number three. And realistically, only for a short window as well, because of course, eventually, spoiler alert, Kenobi takes him out. And it's... um. It is interesting, and at this, um, I guess we're jumping a little bit just quickly on that. I find this movie two hours twenty. I find actually a lot of the scenes with Grievous drag a little, and I feel like there's so much more I wanted this movie to deliver towards the end, and we'll get there. But I felt like some of the Grievous things didn't necessarily. I, I guess what I'm saying is I I really like Grievous, but actually what I like is I think within those seven seasons of Clone Wars more than what I see in this movie. I agree. I, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there. That's, and I think it's really hard actually to probably talk about these movies given our, our love and dedication to shows like Clone Wars because I feel like we've just got such a, a whole other level of love for some of these characters and the adventures and journeys they've been on. Yeah, no, 100%. One of the characters though that we do love as we, as we touch on is R2 and he has a great moment in that opening scene as well and you know taking out the battle droids flying around all over the place and then there's that moment where you know Anakin's like Artu will be along and then he comes screaming into the scene and he just turns and he's like see no problem and, I, and I'm loving all that banter and then of course he gets ex- uh, what's, what's the word electrified by one of the droids and Obi-Wan's just real another 
I don't know if it's a Roger Moore moment, but there's just a real sort of, do you have a plan B? There's so much sarcasm in there. And it's, it's, I just, I can't get past this opening scene. And I know we need to, otherwise we're going to be here for three hours. Indeed. No, I think it's good. It's, I think this is again speaks to the whole start of this movie is just great because it's, it's, as you say, it's got the banter of Obi-Wan and Anakin. It's got some real sort of, um, like human moments with R2 and just, it, it all just kind of comes together as a great package. You're no match for him, Dan. He's a dark lord of the Sith. Indeed. Dooku indeed. comes in. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, again, so I guess like thinking back to seeing this originally at the, the theatre, like, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Dooku. Obviously, it's been a few years since we saw Attack of the Clones. Um, we, we've sort of come to appreciate that Dooku's quite strong. And now actually, you know, having this, I guess, confrontation, isn't it? It's... It's, you know, have lessons been learnt? Um, uh, are Anakin and Obi-Wan ready for this battle? It's so much more satisfying because, you know, how, how it went in Attack of the Clones, just so out of sync with each other. And then this time we'll take him together. I was just thinking the same thing. You know, they're, they're on the same page. They're, they're the greatest team. And if they just stuck together, we wouldn't have to go through another six movies of pain because they could have taken care of everything. But, um... We see Anakin's skills have doubled since we sort of last saw him, and he he really does take down Dooku um, even before the beheading. Just the way he actually takes him down to his knees, he's he is now the real deal. Well, Anakin's a a master swordsman, right? Like he's not only got control of the Force, he's he's a great fighter, he's confident, he's 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 a risk taker, and. It's interesting, right? Obviously, Obi Wan gets taken out fairly early in this in this battle, basically getting knocked out, and it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it, for the context of the the rest of the story? Because this is really, in my mind, I guess Anakin's second real big event. You know, the first one being killing the um, the Tusken Raiders, uh, the second one being beheading Dooku and kind of. Um, letting his anger take over and Obi-Wan doesn't get to witness all of this and you know there's that kind of great scene actually where the chance is like just leave him just leave Obi-Wan like don't bring him with us yeah and I love I love that Anakin was still sort of his fate will be the same as ours and it's it's so it was such a clutch moment too because it's like you know Obi-Wan's obviously the man like we've we've got to save him and I think it's the again the history of the the Clone Wars that makes us really appreciate their friendship it's a really good really good call that because uh he he is still loyal and yet palpatine at this point there's a change in his tone when he's talking to anakin when there's no one else around that the voice has has started to move from chancellor into sidious like leave him there's no time you know that he's really you know and, and, and the whole do it and and all the rest of it he's he's really starting just to sort of you know reveal himself um a little bit but of course um they survive. They, he carries Obi Wan on his back, um, and then we have a, a great crash landing as well, don't we? I think just before we get to that crash landing, I think you've got to really think about too, and it shocked me at the time, and it still shocks me to this day that this is actually quite a dark thing for Star Wars, uh, Lucasfilm, and and Disney now. Uh, yeah, and I know that they don't actually show the beheading, and, and you know several heads have been lost previously to this, but for a, a main you know, like air quotes, hero character to decapitate someone. It's pretty grim for a, a family-friendly space adventure. 
but it needed to happen. Yeah. Oh, we've talked. We have talked about this before with with rebels, um, where there was beheading and that, and it and it's um, it's interesting because you don't you you see it, but you don't see it. You certainly you kind of hear it more than anything, and it's um, it's it is shocking, really, and it's definitely not the Jedi way. Indeed. Oh, and I, I guess that, that's that's beginning of the downfall. But you're right, like kind of jumping forward, um, great kind of like crash landing sequence on uh, are they on Coruscant where they crash? Uh yes they are. Yeah, they crash on on onto the landing strip and um they narrowly avoid crashing into the like the main terminal, I guess. But it's a, a wonderful uh, scene with the camera as the as the wreckage comes towards you and it keeps coming it keeps coming keeps coming then it stops and you sort of go right into the window of the of the of the cockpit with um the four of them and sat in there and it's uh it is another happy landing as as, as obi-wan puts it and from from there on in um we then see a, a big exterior of coruscant we see uh the falcon um that's coming into dock in there and and as the camera pans back down We've got a uh, Padme saying to Anakin, "Oh, by the way, I'm pregnant." That was a high risk scene, Paul, because obviously the Anakin and Padme's relationship is kept in a secret, and there's kind of the arrival of Anakin and Obi Wan kind of going their own ways. Anakin sort of going to to get the fame, and he kind of drops drops behind the the main crowd of people, and you know gives Padme a big hug and a kiss. But it's like I've always I felt always feel nervous in that scene because it's like you're just standing behind a pillar, you're in a very public place for for two people that are trying to keep their relationship on the down low. It's not very down low. Bell Organa just needed to turn around and just be like, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you, Anakin, we're going out for for drinks tonight. You know, like he just needed to come back and like. So he would have witnessed everything, but um, yeah, definitely high risk. Um, not particularly secretive. I mean, I think they did a much better job with the wedding, but um, it's going to be hard for her to um hide the fact that she's pregnant. And I, I guess a lot of people, you know, are going to question who's the father because um, I don't know who else they would be suspecting it would be if not Anakin anyway. Who knows what goes on in Coruscant, Paul? You know, all sorts of parties and. Space keys and hats and all sorts of things. Space keys and hats. That's 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 the name of another podcast episode. I think um, we've got those uh, horrific scenes um, of uh, of Anakin having his his nightmares uh, about about Padme and and almost instinctively he goes to to Palpatine and it's actually you know he's sort of thinking oh I need some advice but actually Palpatine says to him, I need your help, son. And I just wanted to focus in on that line just for a second because it's a really interesting choice of, of words because obviously, you know, people call people son all the time. But of course, there is, of course, that theory that we still don't have the answer to that we touched on two podcasts ago around um, the, the, the the father of Anakin and, and how that came about, whether it was Sidious or not. Um, but it was uh, another another great moment as we come into we haven't quite got to the Sidious reveal yet but this whole Anakin Palpatine dynamic takes on a, a really a really big change I, I think you're right and I think this kind of speaks to I think the the flaws of Anakin right like Anakin has been through a lot of trauma and he's 
Um, you know, he was a slave, his, his mother was killed, he's kind of brought into this, into the Jedi Order of, you know, this real sort of intense devotion, and then he's got all these, like, anger issues, and, you know, he's, he hasn't really ever had a father figure, say, maybe a, aside from, very briefly, Qui-Gon Jinn, then Obi-Wan Kenobi, then I guess kind of the, the council maybe kind of playing that role, mm. and I would imagine, you know, you've got to think Anakin's He's still fairly young here. He's still like there's some there's some things he's looking for in his life that he doesn't have. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Although you're right, he is young. Emma, we had the same conversation with Attack of the Clones around people re- referring to him being so young, and you know we've got um, uh, Mace Windu even saying, "Take a seat, young Skywalker." Everyone's always reminding him of how how young he is, and I guess I guess that's kind of necessary to sort of. Um, help us help us through with what's to come with him but uh yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of tension there and i um i do have another question for you dan did you ever hear the tragedy death plagueis the wise uh, it's one of my favorite tragedies it's it's, uh... it's an old just lesson I'm, I'm surprised you heard of it because it's not something the jedi would teach you um I love that whole scene. I, I love the way that plays out, and the, and again the bonding between the two of them. Um, I'm at a point in this movie where everything so far is is getting big ticks from me. Like I'm, you know, I've, I've had a lot of things to say about Attack of the Clones, but at this point, this one is I'm just having a great time the whole time. There's no filler for me at this point. I think too, it's it's interesting, right? Because I, I think we're coming up to a, another real interesting moment in, I guess, Anakin's journey, where obviously the the Chancellor wants Anakin to be on the Jedi Council and, and sort of start to share back information, and the the Jedi Council agree to have him on the Council, but do not grant him the rank of of Jedi Master. Another, what? that's outrageous. Another insulting move by. Um, which largely feels like a, a lot of this negativity I feel like <clears throat> comes from Mace Windu. Yes. And yes. I, I do I do wonder about the, the role that he's kind of had. He's so hard on Anakin. Um and and look, I think you you can't just be handing out, you know, promotions and pay rises to everyone. There's a process to these things. But at the same time, Mace Windu, you need a little bit of empathy because you're okay to everyone else, but when it comes to Anakin, you do not like that boy. Yeah, oh, there's there's a definite... And maybe that's one of the reasons why I haven't had the most... Uh, yeah, there's so much speculation about, oh, maybe Mace Windu's still alive, and we'll come to that, uh, and maybe he could show up in a... And I'm like, I kind of feel... I feel no desire to have him back, even though you know we love Samuel Jackson. But I kind of feel like this is a character who was arrogant throughout and was was just not listening to things. Neither was Obi Wan. We'll also come to that, and just always treated Anakin in the, the worst of ways that probably contributed to the direction in which he went, which caused all of the pain that we'll see across another six movies. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more, and I think. Yeah, even in a few of the books I've been reading of late, Mace Windu's exactly the same. He's still got the same tone and attitude all the time. Like he, he is, he has very low trust from um, for Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, the continuing on that um, that Palpatine Anakin conversation, you know, he he gets uh, you know he 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 gets told to spy on him, and Palpatine quite quickly works that out. Um, it doesn't surprise me how much Palpatine is able to work out when we see the, str- the, the 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 amount of his abilities in for example the rise of skywalker and how he was able to 
orchestrate force visions and link you know he's he's clearly very very powerful so it's no surprise that he can see through everything um but then of course you know anakin's like i've got this pain with padme and he's the dark side of the force could help you here do you have you have you looked at this he's like a salesman oh you, you're using this product what about this one this one this is a this is a pathway to many abilities some considered to be unnatural well, I guess this is the thing, right? Like us as, you know, because, you know, we're watching these movies right now in timeline order, but, you know, in in, in real life, um, when we watch them in a different order, we we know of the, the, the evilness of the dark side of the force. Whereas I think if you're a... If you're a up and can up and coming force user, you're looking for maximum power. Like everyone's everyone's looking to be, how can I be the best I can be? And you know, we don't talk about the dark side, but you know, maybe this is something that should be explored. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's an interesting one, and you've you've talked about this uh, when you did your review of, of Dark Disciple as well about those two sort of disciplines coming together. But it's um, it has a very explosive effect in in this movie. I. I do, I do, this is, I feel like I've had a a real go at Mace Window. I do appreciate the fact that when Anakin brings him this, this news, this, you know, he's discovered, oh, well, he's, he's obviously the, the Sith Lord, that Window is like, if what you've told me is correct, then, you know, my trust in you is renewed or whatever it is he said. And it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a a moment where I'm thinking, depending on how the next 10 minutes play out, um, we could all be happy families and everything will be fine. But, I don't think that's the way it goes. Mm, it's even just the way he says that though's got a, a sense of arrogance. Yeah. My trust yeah. in you is renewed. Like, hold on, hold on. Why, 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 why? Is it because of the, the incident back on Tatooine? Like, like what, what's your, what's your problem? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and, and sort of concurrently to this over in the, the last four episodes of the Clone Wars, um, when Darth Maul was revealing to Ahsoka, oh, you know, actually it's Darth Sidious who's behind everything. And then she brings that to the table and Obi-Wan's like, hmm, yes, I first learned of this Darth Sidious from Count Dooku. But let's hang on, Obi-Wan. Let's just go back a, a movie where Dooku does lay this out and says, oh, what if I told you? And he goes, I don't believe you. And he just dismisses it right off the bat. You know, he just, just says, oh, no, I'm not having a bar of it. And then, of course, oh, it's a bit late now because actually Anakin's killed him, so we won't find out any more. It's, it's, it's arrogance of the Jedi. It or, really is. You, know, you can see why the the Sith Lords of the universe get frustrated with the arrogance. <laughs> it's 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 it, it's it's a real thing because so often with with bad guys in movies, you, you know, it's so hard to understand their point of view. But actually, you you find yourself sitting there a lot of the time going, you know what? You're right on the money there, mate. <laughs> These guys are really hard to deal with. Well, I actually think there's. There's a few, and this is sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but again in the in the Clone Wars when um, Maul was explaining what's going on to Ahsoka, and this I feel like there's a moment where Ahsoka's like that kind of checks out like what you're saying, yeah. and it kind of makes sense to me. And I think you know obviously these choices that people make about how far they commit to it, but sometimes I think the line between good and evil in this story is very grey. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it is really great, and I think that's that it is that line that makes it makes it so enjoyable. Actually, I think that really adds something to the value. There's that scene in Revenge of the Sith where um, they're all you know they're all talking on the hologram thing when they're all in a, in a circle, and the scene in the movie uh, finishes with uh, Yoda saying to a dark place 
this will take us. And then in the in the in the Clone Wars episodes, of course, we have um, the scene continue in with with Ahsoka walking in, and straight away, Mace Windu's right on form as they start talking about the Chancellor, and she's asking questions, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, not for you, Jedi business. Please stay out." Um, and then Yoda says to her, um, "You know, do you have a message for Anakin?" And she's like, "No, I'll, I'll tell him myself." And um, it's uh, well, we know how that's going to go. I feel like just thinking about this, like everybody knows that one manager who's a bit of a mason dude. Like, <laughs> yes, 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 I do. Like they're, they're just like, they're, they're so by the book and they're so unapproachable and you just never know what you're going to get apart from it's going to be the worst. Like they're the one you don't want reviewing anything. They're the one, like their, their opinion weighs heavy with the room. Like it's, it's too much. It really is. Dan, there's a there's a line that follows on from this scene not long after, and it's quite poignant for me because it is the last time that we see Anakin and Obi-Wan together as friends as they part ways. Goodbye, old friend, and may the force be with you. And Obi-Wan's off to go hunting for Grievous and and, and Anakin's on his way in the other direction. And it's, it's 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 when you watch it, of course, on a subsequent watch, not the first time, that you realize that's that's the last time. I I look I know right like that's you could have never known that on your first on your first watch of this movie but and the the hundreds of times since you know it's always a bit of a hard hitting scene and it's the same with the uh, Anakin um, Ahsoka sort of connection in, in in those episodes of the Clone Wars right it's like you know this is actually their goodbye and it's it's so heartfelt knowing that this is the last time they're actually going to see each other before it all sort of starts going downhill. It really is. It's it's really tough. And, um, and I, I just, yeah, I, it's not that I wanted a little bit more because we knew, we, we know where this is going by the end, but I, I was kind of surprised how early they parted ways. It feels really early in the movie. It's kind of like, okay, so now the next time they come together, it's going to be on bad terms. And, and I'll I'll come to why I think that's significant a little later when we get to a to another scene. Um, but Obi Wan's off to take care of Grievous, and of course we get our second ever hello there moment, which is you know one of the most memeable expressions of all time. And I've got a question for you, Dan, about this Obi Wan versus Grievous battle because um, there's a moment in. Um, in that final four episodes of the Clone Wars where Anakin walks into the battle and he just force pulls the tactical droid towards him and kills it. It's like all of these lightsabers, all of these helicopter actions that Grievous has got going on, he's a force to be reckoned with for you or I. But for Jedi, surely it's just a force push or a force crush or something. Why is that not happening? It's interesting, right? Uh, Like, I think this is kind of one of Obi-Wan's greatest barriers. Like, I feel like he doesn't like to overuse his abilities or his powers. Like, he's he's very... Look, if you want you want to do this fire drill, I'm an old school gentleman. That's how we'll do it. Yeah. And I think you know the fact that he eventually ends up killing Grievous with a blaster repulses him. That he's had to use such this. Um, I forget the the exact word that he uses. So uh, uncivilized. Yeah, so uncivilized, and it's 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 just not Obi Wan's way. Whereas I think if Anakin had been with him 
or Anakin had been part of that duel, it would have been very different. Anakin would have probably just instantly tried to force crush him, push him off the cliff, like snatched all four lightsabers out of his hands. Like so many things could have happened. Yeah. Oh, it reminds me even of playing the Force Unleashed. I just remember having so much fun just grabbing stormtroopers with the Force and, and chucking them off of cliffs. You know, it's like you, you couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, I love the way you've described it as the gentleman because uh, obviously the the line so uncivilized is a, is a bit of a callback to um alec guinness describing the lightsaber to luke as being not as you know not as clumsy as a blaster or whatever um but you're right every time obi-wan engages it's it's on such fair terms i'm almost surprised that in the phantom menace when he sort of grabs qui-gon's lightsaber and, and sort of takes out more that he doesn't apologize in that moment say oh terribly sorry you know i shouldn't have really used someone else's lightsaber it's um it's really interesting i hadn't thought about it like that before yeah, no, it's, you know, I think it's it's one of his traits that kind of follows him through because we know that, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi's revered within the the Jedi Council, within wider sort of Jedi circles. People look up to him as a, as a real master, but yeah, it's just he never leans too heavy on his abilities. Yeah, no, indeed. Um, we've got a bit of a battle going on on Topo. Um, we get to see... Tamura Morrison several times as various clones and as Cody. And what's funny is I feel like I'm noticing him far more now with with the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. Um, obviously, it's just every time I see him, it just seems to stick out even more. Um, meanwhile, Mace Windu has, you know, he's listened to Anakin for, for the first time in his life. He's off to go and see the Chancellor. He's taken three other Jedi with him. I mean, the chance the even if he is a Dark Lord of Sith, is not going to have any chance against uh, against four Jedi, right? Yeah, I think you know. There's a couple of things here. So one, just going back to that, you know, Commander Cody scene. Commander Cody's another character that's got such a cult following of, of love behind him, and oh, again, yeah. like that was explored way more in the Clone Wars. But again, just a brief moment with that character and, and huge fanfare. But then I think jumping forward to that scene, I always, for some reason, really enjoyed Kit Fisto as a Jedi. And it just disappointed me how, like, when they confront the Chancellor, they get absolutely wrecked, Paul. Like, I don't, like, every time Mace Windu pulls together a squad of Jedi, when he goes in Attack of the Clones or whether he's going to confront the, the Chancellor, he's literally just, right, who's available? He's not even, like all right, who's my dream team for this? Like, and, and I, you know, there's a war going on. A, a lot of the core Jedi are out sort of running various missions, but this was this was not well executed. No, not at all. Excuse the pun. <laughs> no, not at all. And um, I think just to be sure your your um, liking of Kit Fisto would, would have come obviously from the, from the Clone Wars as opposed to necessarily what we see in the in the movie and yeah i think it's a discredit to that character the i think i understand the ease of which a sith lord not just a sith lord but the dark lord you know himself would be able to take out jedi but um for a two hour 20 minute movie for for literally within the first 10 seconds for him to take an out two is is very quick and um i would have just liked a little bit more of a fight to have been put up for the sake of those jedi but hey it is what it is uh him and mace get into a situation now i've always wondered how deep the thought is behind what happens because mace manages to well i'm saying this with inverted speech marks yeah he manages to get 
Palpatine down on the floor with his you know, his, his lightsaber out the window, out the window, out the window. <laughs> that was that was <laughs> the a... window. That's great. <laughs> um, um, but it's played out as if he's got the better of Palpatine. But in my mind, it's always been Palpatine's well aware that Anakin, he can feel him coming along and he wants Anakin to walk in on him showing that Mace is, is towering over him and it's all orchestrated right up to that point. I agree. I think everything that the Chancellor's done to this point is is well considered and well thought out. Like, he's, you know, got complete control of the Senate. He's got complete control of the army. Why wouldn't he have complete control of the situation? He knew that the Jedi Council, um, how they would react to this and how they were both trying to play against Anakin. So I think my question for you in this scene is when uh, Mace Windu's sort of basically reflecting the Force Lightning back on the Emperor, is the Emperor, you know, obviously that's when we start to get the the true look of the Emperor with his sort of um, petrified face and all sort of like deep sort of crevices in his, his skin. Is Has that always been the look of Sidious? And he's been hiding himself with basically, you know, using the force to kind of present a, a picture of who he is to the rest of the world. Or is that actually damage from force lightning? It's a great, great question. I had it, I had it here as well. Is, is it a natural look or is it damage from force lightning? And I, I feel like if uh, if I fire, if I, if I turn the hose on inside facing a window, a window, a window, I know it's going to come back and hit me. I, I like you kind of know that that's going to happen if that's the way you play it. So it's kind of like he he used that to reveal, I believe, his true self. I think also because the final face looks far too too neat. Oh, it's too symmetrical in the way his final look is. It's not like a like a, a fire burn or a, or whatever. I think it's I think it's a a natural look for him. I think he used that as a way of revealing himself, and then he can say to the Senate, "Oh, look, this this, this fight with the Jedi left me scared." I agree because it's not like it's uh, actual burns or anything from from lightning, as you say, or you know this this is a is far deeper than that. So I agree. And then, of course, Ian McDermott, who I have nothing but respect for, and I talked fondly about in terms of his his scenes with Anakin previously, maybe goes a little over the top with a few of his lines at this point when he starts saying "no, no," and unlimited power, and and the force is strong with you. That whole scene is is great, but I just wonder could he have dialed it back a little? Because on on a rewatch, it just feels very overplayed. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think he's definitely turned his acting up to up to a ten here, right? When it's it probably probably needs to sit around sort of a an eight maybe, um, because I think you know there's obviously the great moment too with uh, Anakin intervening, chopping off Mace Windu's um, hand. I think that the big thing for me out of all of this scene is I feel like there's such a sh- uh, a sudden shift in Anakin's behaviour from this point forward. Like it's like he's just like you know what, I'm not just a little bit angry. Like, I'm I'm very angry that's and right. I hate everyone. Um, and it's, I think that's always kind of sat a bit weirdly with me. I feel like I wanted, I almost wanted more um, effort put into turning Anakin. Yeah, it was, it was immediate, wasn't it? No, you're right. And I hadn't actually sort of thought about that coming into this podcast but I, th- I think you're right i think it's um it's too easy he's he, he does say oh what have i done but 
um straight away he's he's on his knees and going i'll do whatever you say you know it's like well that was quick um and so gets his new job title straight away yeah like he's caught on camera uh, you know you're now darth vader um and i made a note of this then this is one hour 16 into this movie that he becomes darth vader and this movie is two hours 20 so we've got a full hour of vader ahead of us now and i guess this is what i was coming to before when i was talking about grievous and some of the scenes that they spend a lot of time on we've got an hour of vader and i feel like on reflection and the question i'm i'm going to ask you at the end of this podcast i'm going to answer for myself now which is if there's one thing i could change in this movie i feel like if we're getting an hour of vader from this point I just feel that we all want him in the suit a lot earlier. And so everything that we see transpire from this point on, I feel like I want to fast forward the first half of it so that the second half of it plays out for a much, much longer time. Cause I feel like as the movie goes on, it wraps up too quickly and, and I guess we'll get into that, but yeah, it's just interesting that this is, he's become Vader almost halfway through the movie. And it always feels to me like he becomes Vader so much near the end. Yeah, you're right. In fact, in this rewatch, and I don't know whether I was just paying more attention. I, I felt the same thing. Like when he basically gets your now Darth Vader, I, I'm the same. I think of him becoming Darth Vader when he gets the suit. And until then he's just, dark, he's just dark side Anakin Skywalker to me. Yeah. And I think, cause this is, I guess where again, we kind of go down the, the famous memeable side of Anakin basically unleashing fury on all remaining Jedi at the council. And I think this is the bit where sort of just to the earlier point almost kind of confuses me the most because Anakin basically gets told, you know what you have to do. And it's like, do you do like, I I would want quite a bit of clarity. Can we get like, (laughs) can we just talk through some scenarios here? Because (laughs) I feel like I know what I want to do, but what are you wanting to do? Like it feels like there's um there's a little bit of talking out that wanted to happen because it's it's obviously a, a pretty dark scene going to the temple and you know Master Skywalker and then like <laughs> like it's, Dan when your project manager says to you do what must be done you know what that means you don't need any further instruction you you do what must be done i was glad to see uh the chancellor put his hood up because there was a uh, like there's this this whole moment where he's got he's scared he's got the the emperor face but he's we've got this gray hair going on and like it was it was much more comfortable as soon as he's like do you know what let's put that hood back up that's much better um and he's like we got out fast the jedi relentless um and and so this is a huge moment. This is as Maul's talking about in in the over in the Clone Wars at this point. This is um, you know this is this is a plan that even he wasn't part of. Even Dooku wasn't part of. This was a this is this is the plan, the one plan. And of course, that is Order sixty six. And what surprises me at this point on a rewatch is, even in my workplace, we use conference call technology. So if I've got a message to get out to several people, I'll, you know, I'll dial them all in. But Palpatine seems to have all the time in the world. He's he's making individual calls to each clone, like, oh, g'day, 
gonna his palpatine here um execute order 66 thy will be done and then he's on to the next call he's like going through his 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 roller decks on the there like oh, who else do i need to call to tell him about order 66 what's going on and if you and i were clones paul we'd we'd look at our um at our phone and be like i'm not answering that i'm not answering that who the hell's that yeah. i'm like why am i getting the phone for from the chief executive <laughs> like I don't, I, I don't want to call from the big boss no. you know none of these clones are expecting that call but all of them answer um Die will be done, and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's the slaying of of most of the Jedi. Uh, Obi Wan appears to be taken out. I mean, no one could survive that fall, surely. Except Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, can we just talk about like the? I've always found the the lizard that Obi Wan rides a bit <laughs> annoying. Like. Like of all the things, it's like a, it's like a real demented Scooby Doo. Sorry, that's really inappropriate, but that's what it sounds like to me. I think you you nailed the sound. It's like, and it's like it's just relentless. And there's all this machinery and these amazing things. And it's like of all the sort of choices of vehicle, and then the fact that like he's only just met this lizard, but he can he can, and then like it like it comes in like. You know, he just drops onto it. It's it's crazy. I seldom, 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 seldom get on the George Lucas hate bandwagon. Seldom. But he is obsessed with CGI and he wanted to throw in as many CGI things as possible into these three movies because um, he, he's given us so much, but maybe we didn't maybe we didn't need that. But he did give us C-3PO back in his shiny uh shiny gear yeah he comes to the movie quite late and one of the criticisms that you and i both had about um attack of the clones was the overuse of 3po and 3po humor and i feel like this movie delivers the perfect amount of 3po throughout and they did they did that and jar jar just perfectly i agree i think you, you know for all the hate that george lucas gets like i think he actually does take on some of these things and like you know he he toned it back and it felt right. It felt like this was a good use for those characters. Yeah. Also, again, picking picking apart a few scenes. You're you're the viceroy. Um, you've seen how the Dark Lord is with you know with Maul and with with things in general. When you get a phone call from the Dark Lord saying, "I'll send my new apprentice Darth Vader to come and take care of you," are you really going to sit back and be like, "Sweet"? <laughs> This guy's going to obviously just, you know, everything's going to be fine. He's obviously got those Republic credits for me, just that I've been waiting for. Yep. Um, yeah, no, that's that's interesting as well. Like, it kind of is a little bit, little bit too easy. Yeah. When you think about that, these people are meant to be, like, they've been orchestrating huge, like, strategic kind of policy-driven wars all around the galaxy, and they're kind of duped with a phone call. Yeah, it's it's too much. And then he walks in, and even at that point, they're like, "Ah, oh, Lord Vader, we've been expecting you. Like, do you want a do you want a tea or a coffee? Can I get you anything?" And it's like, no. Um, and there is a wonderful moment for me where Anakin uses the Force with his hand to bring the shutters down, which is, of course, for me and I'm sure everyone is is very reminiscent of uh, Vader and Empire Strikes Back. The way he's sort of using his 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 hand in in that manner, it's a very telling moment. Of course, at this point, all of the music has turned into the Imperial March, the Vader theme, and um, he's he has turned proper at this point. He's you know, he, as you say, he's taking out the kids, and now he's taking out everyone on Mustafa and. Um, and I guess he's going to stay on Mustafa. 
Yeah, well, and I, I agree. I do think it is a great moment when he, um, when he closes the, the, the blast shields. Another thing that just makes me laugh is like, I imagine many of the, like the Viceroy would be like, oh, I thought Vader was coming. You're Anakin Skywalker. What? Like, I have questions. And again, it's just like, oh, no, you've, you've got a new title and no, no, you've no, got look, a hood. I've, All got, right. I've got my hood up. Look at my yellow contacts. Can't you see? Yeah. I'm different. I've changed. Don't, don't yeah. label me. This is my new identity. Um, also, I appreciate you talking about blast shields because I think I refer to them as shutters. I don't think Vader would be worried about closing the curtains. Um, back on the back on Coruscant, uh, Chancellor Palpatine is announcing that he will restructure the organisation as government is wont to do all the time into the first galactic empire. And this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. Question then. You're a part of the Senate. You're used to the way things work. The Chancellor, who you've followed for so many years, walks in looking real beat up and talking real funny and says, do you know what, guys? Let's make this an empire. Raises both hands in the air and everyone's applauding. Well, it depends where I'm sitting in the in the Senate, right, Paul? Because some of those seats are very high or very low, and I've probably got like no idea what's going on. I'm just everyone's cheering. I'm getting involved in it. Yeah, <laughs> Galactic Empire! Wow, that sounds amazing. Okay, <laughs> uh, but you, you, you're right though. It, it's uh, one another one of those funny moments, and it's interesting, obviously, because this is where we get that Padme like. As you say, where where Liberty dies, and it's she, she's obviously very ups, upset by it, and this is almost kind of the the dawn or birth of the of the rebellion. Yeah, it it, it is, and it's it's interesting because, of course, Bail Organa at this point, he's kind of like he's one of the few people in the galaxy at this point who's almost almost safe because the the Chancellor, the Emperor, sorry now, cannot cannot control things without the senate at least at this point you know until he's maybe i don't know built like a big death star or something he needs the senate at this point and um and so these senators still have a little bit of freedom and so the 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 bad organa story really picks up here as, as we 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 come to to tentative four and and all the rest of it but meanwhile obi-wan has gone to see padme to sort of say I got a real bad feeling about Anakin. Do you know where he is? <laughs> and she's still like, I don't believe you. And so he has to end up hiding in the cupboard of her ship to, to, to and, find him. And she's probably pregnant at this point, right? So he's kind of like, he obviously knows what's up. And I think, you know, like through the Clone Wars, like I think he's kind of known. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of weirdly for Obi-Wan, kind of turned a little bit of a blind eye to the whole relationship, I think. I don't think he's ever kind of known slash not known, but he's he knows, you know. Yeah, he's he knows. What's oh, up. he knows. I mean, he's really you know, Obi Wan is one of my favorite characters of all time, and yet there is a moment when when as he's leaving, he turns back to him, he goes, "Anakin's the father, isn't he?" And he just shakes his head and he's like, "I'm so sorry," <laughs> and just walks out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really leaving her in an awkward place, and he really does obviously use her to to. To, to get to him and i guess in the in the in the in the bigger picture of the galaxy it's the right thing to do but in that moment it's pretty harsh on her i guess uh and like, i think you know there's some there's some things i love here about padme right like, so she's fully pregnant but she's like you know what outfit change time i'm, <laughs> I'm flying my spaceship yeah. and i love that she's just like 
got new clothes for different different adventures. And obviously, as you say, so Obi-Wan hides on her on her spaceship as they head off to Mustafa. And I think what's kind of interesting about it is I actually think, you know, when I'm sort of jumping a little bit here. So there's a confrontation between Anakin and Padme and Anakin ends up kind of force choking Padme and then Obi-Wan appears. Um, I actually think that uh, Anakin thinks there's something romantic going on with, with Padme yes. and Obi-Wan. Yes, that's, that's, that's what the, um, the, the inference is. And I think what you said before about, you know, he, he's gone full angry. He's so angry. I mean, he's, he he's he's force choking her and of course that ultimately is what becomes the the cause of the death of her in many respects and so he's you know when we when we think back to how he's his anger in attack of the clones and his jealousy and his all of the things these these feelings have really risen to the surface and now now he's he's fully out for obi-wan because he he thinks there's some sort of you know, some sort of romantic thing going on with Padme, which is is crazy, really, but that's what he thinks. Actually, there's one other um, kind of like real sort of poignant, sad moment before we jump into, I guess, the, the big lightsaber duel is when Anakin first arrives on Mustafa and Artu sort of follows him out and he says to Artu, wait with the ship. And that's the that's the last time that Artu sees Anakin as Anakin as yes. well. Well, and there's kind of that, there's those future moments in the movies where, like Arthur never waits with the ship again. He always goes with the person, no matter what they say, because the last time it happened. Wow. You know? Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And I guess in some, I guess really it's Vader. He's he's, he's with Vader at this point, isn't he? Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. It's that's interesting. True. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'd sort of missed that point. But um So yeah, I guess we're getting into the 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 lightsaber jaw, aren't we? I know we're not jumping the timeline down, but I have to say the sequel trilogy I thought brought about what I thought was perhaps the best lightsaber battles of the entire Star Wars saga. But when I rewatched this movie, I started thinking, I think, I think this Obi-Wan Anakin battle is right up there. I think it's some exceptional swordsmanship from the two of the actors and just really well played out. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering when we get to those movies, if I'll still feel the same way, because at the moment this is, this is top tier. I agree. And I think it's, there's so much, like anger in in Anakin or Hayden Christensen sort of a bit like he it just conveys so well and I think between the fight between him and Obi-Wan the raw emotion and heart is is really in that battle yeah it's oh and it's a great setting I mean from a from a safety perspective probably don't do this on Mustafa because it's 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 very hot there um a lot of danger but it makes for such a great a great environment to have a lightsaber battle because for me that you know if i was able to have a any sort of opportunity to to win a battle it might be on grass outside in a well-lit area but here and you hit the high ground (laughs) if i had the high ground but here it's just it's incredible and this is the one of the few times and I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it before. This is one of the few times where we see Obi-Wan having to use di- different elements of the Force when there's the sort of the Force push struggle between the two of them. And it is a really even match between the, the two of them, given that we've seen what Anakin did to, to Dooku and, and, and what we've seen throughout the Clone Wars. It's a testament to Obi-Wan to be able to, well, I guess go go the whole way with him. Well, and I think, you know, what's kind of interesting about them is just going back to the forever gentleman that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Even at the end of the battle, 
um, when he does have the high ground and he says, don't, he's like, don't do it, Hennekin. I've got the high, like he's still trying to coach and teach yeah, him, yes. like forever the, forever the mentor, yes. the Anakin. And, um, you know, obviously this is one of the, the times that Obi-Wan is like, I'm going to teach you boy. And like, and he, and he absolutely destroys him. But it's, it was one of those moments that was kind of just a groundbreaking, wasn't it? Like, it's like, oh my God, like this is, this is Obi-Wan truly unleashing. No, you're right. And even after the high ground line, he's like, you're under a smart power. And he's like, don't try it. You know, he's like, oh, you, you know, you will try. There's, there's this constant relationship going back and forth before we come maybe to, the, the end of that, because that's quite a poignant moment, the scene does jump back over to, to Coruscant um, where Yoda's gone to pay a visit to the Chancellor and he gets greeted by the Royal Guards and he he, he takes care of those Royal Guards pretty quick. That's, that's always fascinating how quickly he can chuck those guys out. Um, but it's a, a really interesting scene between Palpatine and Yoda. That, that's another big moment, a big duel. And it starts off with one of the greatest lines I've been waiting a long time for this, my little green friend, and then a big, big, big force lightning. Because um, it's not often we get Yoda caught off guard or not bettered, but just simply taken down. That's the first time I think we've seen Yoda taken down. I think this is where I kind of wish, um, as a, a collective movie change, I, I wish this was the first time that we saw Yoda in a lightsaber duel. I kind of yeah. wish that that wasn't, that didn't happen in Attack of the Clones because I, I think it would have made it so much more special because we already know from Attack of the Clones, Yoda's got moves and he, he knows what's up. Yeah. And it would have been maybe cooler if maybe they used Mace Windu back then and then this was the first time that yeah. we see Yoda wield the lightsaber. Like that would have been so cool because I think there's no one else who could have confronted uh, Sidious like this and as you say capture the lightning and you know truly go so and, and they're too you know quite old quite you know like you know not your traditional powerhouse you would expect with sort of two 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 bosses fighting so um yeah this was a great scene such a good call and, Dan such a good call I think you're right about Mace Windu if he'd come in in Attack of the Clones because it would have given us something to really like about Mace as well at that point and also you're so right. If we'd seen Yoda for the first time in this, it would have added so much. It's a great call. I think too, the other thing that really just sort of got me thinking in all of this um, is where is like where Grogu is from the Mandalorian, and particularly when they're when Anakin's wiping out the uh, the younglings. But even jumping forward a bit, you know, and there's all those rumors about is Grogu like a clone, all that sort of stuff. And I, it really made me think of that scene when Yoda's kind of hanging off the the edge of the thing and his claw kind of scrapes down it. And I was thinking about like DNA being captured. And obviously that's not right because Grogu already is alive at this point. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and from what we now know, but it just sort of got me thinking about the, the wider connected universe. Yeah, no, really good call. Um, we've, talking of Grogu, does Yoda have his lightsaber at the end of this battle because if you if you follow the the way the scene plays out between them the two of them and when they both sort of go in this operate you know we've got palpatine cackling away like he's having a great time he's he's laughing more than me during a a, a comedy movie and yet yoda he's he's not so much having a good time and as he falls his lightsaber falls in a different direction but of course we know in the the book of boba fett that that luke is going to present yoda's lightsaber so did he have Grogu's light? Did he have Yoda's? Did Yoda have his lightsaber at this point? Well, 
I think we, we're getting quite deep into a whole bunch of other sort of theories and universes here. And one of the things that, um, I guess from Star Wars comics and, and Star Wars novels is we know that, uh, Darth Vader actually has a bunch of sort of various artifacts. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those artifacts may have actually been Yoda's lightsaber. Right. And when he died, Luke may have gone and collected all those artifacts, which is why he ended up with a variety of, he's got more lightsabers than Grievous right now. Um, and he sort of just like opens up his cabinet and there's hundreds of them. And he's like, well, maybe this little one will work for you. But, you know, there's probably something weird in there like that. But we're talking real deep into yeah. fan theories. I would I would love to see that play out, whether in a, in a comic or an animated series or something, but having the... I don't know how that might work. Like the funeral director calls Luke and says, oh, you, the estate of Anakin Skywalker, we've got some belongings for you to come and collect. And he comes in and he's like, oh, yeah, great. I want that. That would be great to see that. What I imagine is much like when I see in a in a in a movie where they like throw a gun into a bush or something. And I'm always like, I'm always worried that some kid's going to go and come and pick it up. I imagine. So there's a little lightsaber on the the Senate floor. Some uh, droid cleaners like picks it up. And he's like, what is this? <laughs> and just like blasts him through the face or something. Like it's just got disaster written all over it. And that is the voice that the droid will have forever. I love that voice, Dan. Um, cut back to Mustafa. Um, it's really heating up now. And, I have failed you, Anakin. You were my brother. At this point, this is a really emotional scene, and Ewan McGregor is really delivering some brilliant delivery of lines, some emotional... It's it's really hard to watch. No, look, I agree. I think, again, our love for their relationships is so much deeper than what the movies offer. And so um, we are... Yeah, like I, it, it, for me, it is, it's a really heartfelt scene, and I think you, you're right. Like Obi Wan treats him like a brother, and he, he just can't see how Anakin's made this choice. And I think it's just portrayed so well. It's, it, it's a great scene for me. And yeah, he, he's, he's cut his legs off in that big jump. He's slipping down the gravel and into the fire, and Obi Wan can barely bear to look. And I'm wondering. What's worse, leaving him like that to to burn to death or actually going down and just actually ending it for him so he can have some peace? Because leaving him to burn to death, which is what, of course, he presumes is going to happen, doesn't transpire because uh, he somehow survives. Palpatine comes along. I always wonder when he's leaning over Vader with the context of what we've learned in The Rise of Skywalker, as he's leaning over and touching him, is there an element of force heal going on from from Palpatine to, to Vader at that point? I don't know, but um, he survives. He sh- I, I think there is because, you know, obviously force healing um, really comes into play in the later movies and, you know, you could probably get a full res from that, that and probably a combination of going in the back to tank and you'd be fine. Um, you'd, you'd walk that off in a day or so. So... I think there is there is something else at play here because you're right. Like it's kind of weird that Obi Wan wouldn't, you know, he's he's pretty Anakin's pretty helpless now. Like he could have taken him onto the ship. He could have taken him for medical help. Like to just kind of leave him was almost kind of the most savage thing to have happened. Yeah. Oh, it is the most savage thing to have happened, and it's and I think I sometimes forget, even though I feel like I've watched this movie several times, I sometimes forget how little was left of Anakin when you actually look mm. at, you know, it's so little. And then, of course, I guess you get a sense of that again when he's having the suit put on, when he's got the medical droid and we've got that wonderful overhead shot of them looking down. Um, question for you, Dan. 
like I understand that they had medical staff ready and that they could have got prosthetic legs and whatever, but that they had this Vader suit and helmet ready to go. Like, is this a standard thing that they just give to anyone who's been burnt and needs to be sort of rehabilitated? Is this like a, you know, you can pick these up from any, any store? Well, I wonder, just given, you know, the various prophecies and visions that have happened, I wonder whether Sidious had this vision for a long, a long time. And he kind of like, you know, not necessarily had the suit one on standby, but kind of knew that there was, he might have had a vision of who the sort of person was who was going to, you know, rule at his side and what they maybe looked like. Yeah. And maybe that helped with some of the, the suit design. But it's interesting though, right? Because it's not like, you know, there's hundreds of people running around with a Darth Vader type suit, but this is a this is a one of a kind. Yeah, I always think if Vader was to actually bump into someone actually wearing the same suit, he'd have a lot of questions. But um, this is why I ask these questions because I, I knew you'd have something for me there. And it's, it's great to have him in the suit. Um, this is the point at the movie where I'm like, if I could change one thing, I'm thinking from here on in, from the moment he rises up and we get a bit of James Earl Jones back as a Vader voice, which is fantastic. Uh, it's from this point on everything that transpires from here. So as we, as we see the on board the ship and we've got the empire uniforms already there, we've got Tarkin, we've got the Death Star being constructed. We've, we've got, you know, the, the, the two babies, going off in the various directions i have questions about that as well but i feel like there was a thing they did a lot they did it well they tied up a lot of things and they told the stories that need to be told but they they rushed through that in six minutes and i feel like that entire thing would have been worthy of at least 30 minutes because there's so much going on yeah no I, i think you're right like it's I think we've talked about this before, right? It's always way too rushed at the end of this movie. And I actually read somewhere that the original cut of this movie is actually about four hours long. And it's a shame that we don't actually have a, the full like George Lucas cut of this because I would watch the hell out of a four, four hour cut of this movie. That wouldn't worry me at all. So, um, and I would love to see some of the, uh, some of the other, I guess triggers and scenes, and I know that one of the one of the deleted scenes that didn't quite make it is there's actually a scene that go all the way back to before Anakin kills Dooku, where um, Palpatine reveals that Dooku was behind Anakin's mother being taken by the Tusken Raiders, and that's yes. you know like, and I actually think though things like that, you know, are extra. They're actually what's needed to help portray this is why, like. like to sort of build the anger and the resentment and the and I think it's it's not just those moments, it's other moments as well that I think would are sort of needed to boost up some of this. Yeah, no, I think hashtag release the Lucas cut would definitely get trending. It's interesting though, of course, because Lucas was basically in control of everything, and I'm amazed that we didn't get a little bit more release. But um back to the story, Dan. Uh the two the two Skywalker twins are, are born. Um of which Anakin cannot have known that there were two. So that's that sort of is uh, an interesting thing. I wonder if that will be touched on at all in the Kenobi series. Uh, Bail Organa's like, we've always wanted a daughter. We'll take her you know, back to Alderaan. That seems like a good hiding place to me. Um, meanwhile, what should we do with Luke? To his family on Tatooine, take him. Like... That seems like a reasonably good hiding place. Anakin will, if he if he survives, will never think to go there. Yeah, no, that's always been a weird one for me. Um, it's it's never really made sense the way either of these kids were. Like, like you're basically giving one Bail Organa 
one of the most senior people in the resistance. Yeah. High risk. Yeah, that's uh, true. And as you say, Tatooine just has always made limited sense. Apart from, I guess, like I would imagine it potentially could be the last place that uh, Vader would think to look. But at the same time, it, if I, I was going to start looking, it would probably be in my top 10 places. It's in, it's like hiding in plain sight, isn't it? It's like it's so obvious you wouldn't think to, to go there. And I guess, look, I'm not really pointing fault at this movie because that this was all decided in 1977 as to where Luke winds up. Um, so uh, so I think it makes sense. And um, it's great for us because now we get a TV series out of it. Um so, Dan, if you could change one thing about this movie. I think it's what I've already said about the, I think this would be the first time that we see Yoda. Okay, that would be um, your go-to. That, that, would, that would be my thing. Okay. Um, I think because it would give more, um, more, I think, credibility to how powerful Yoda really is and that, you know, using his lightsaber as his very last course of action. It's hard to say just one thing because it's almost like I'd want to chop and change, you know, maybe some of the stuff should have happened in uh, Attack of the Clones because that kind of felt like quite a long-winded story for um, what we got and that would have given us then more time for more of the Vader growth that we kind of talked about in, in Revenge of the Sith. So probably a combination of those things. Yeah, no, fair cool. I think that's – um, I, I really like that idea as well and I think – you and I both feel the same about the the rushing of the last few minutes being maybe that could have been extended. But overall, I don't have many complaints about this movie at all. It is a it is a top movie. It's for me, you know, we're we're ranking these movies as we go. This this is for me the best so far. This is the best of the um the prequel trilogy. It's um it's a great watch. Um and it does very little wrong and I feel like it deserves more credit than it's actually, you know, than it's actually getting because even, even I mean, it's getting 7.6 out of 10. It's getting 68 Metascore. I just feel like there's still a lot of critics out there and I know there's always finger pointing at the, the green screens and the Lucas direction and the Hayden Christensen element and there's all sorts of things. But really, this movie does deliver well for me. Yeah, I think this, this is, every time I watch this movie, it reminds me of how great it is. And I think it, it deserves all the credit. And it's in the same spot for me. So this is my my top movie so far. And I think we haven't really touched on it, and we're probably sort of coming to running out of time. But this is where I think if you do know your wider Star Wars universe, and you're, you know, you're interested in characters like Ahsoka, you're interested in characters like Darth Maul, this is where you probably really should jump in and watch Season 7, Episode 9 to 12 of the, the Clone Wars and those are the the final episodes of the Clone Wars because that gives you the story of what's happening at the exact same time that Order 66 happens and you get to see I guess the way that and we've touched on it a little bit in this episode with the way that Darth Maul talks about it but you get to Ahsoka feels the the great disturbance in the force yes you get to see um her experience of everything happening you get to see characters like Captain Rex and it's interesting because Samara watched these episodes with me and she she knows who Ahsoka is because of the Mandalorian, but she had no idea who Captain Rex was. Right. And it's funny because you and me are like, Captain Rex, he, he's like a core of the Clone Wars. Like, there is no Clone Wars without Captain Rex. So it, there might be a few things for people who are completely new to this. They might be like, who are these characters? But I think it's still a very nice sort of package of episodes to to give you a bit more of an expanded universe feel. Oh, it really does. It ties together so well with Revenge of the Sith. It's... Um you know, with, as you said, Ahsoka traveling through hyperspace, 
uh, and hearing the battle between Mace Windu and Palpatine and Anakin's comments, you actually hear those original cuts coming into it. You you have Darth Maul also hearing that, and of course that whole that whole journey of those characters. You know, we do get a bit of Vader at the end of of that Clone Wars, and you know, I don't want to dive into spoilers too much, but you, you get a really satisfying sort of epilogue to Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars in that moment, which I think it delivers. If they were able to retrofit that into this movie somehow, it would, it would be great. The, the episode, or sorry, the episodes of Clone Wars also do well because they also tie together Maul's um, his his story that's going on. Uh, that we we will touch on in solo um but we you know we get to see dryden voss from solo and we get to see him as his role within crimson dawn and so it, it, it ties together all of these things really really well it's it's like this is an enjoyable meal and this is just a beautiful sauce over the top it's just it's such a great thing definitely highly recommended well paul that probably brings us to the end of another one of these uh star wars reviews it does indeed we will as dan said earlier be back uh, next week with episode 116 diving into the movie solo indeed and i'd just like to give a special shout out to our patreon producers samara king trisha brady diana kanawa and linda tevna we couldn't do it without you if you too would like to become a patron of the show then you can find those show notes in the show notes below but until next week everyone adios <laughs> <laughs>